the U.S. healthcare system facing demanding conditions in the year of 2023, where hospitals continue to operate in the red, dealing with physician and overall staff shortages on top of inflation, and contending with the triple respiratory threats. The positive note, however, drums on the adaptation of digital health solutions to improve patient access and hoping to reduce physician burnout. In this episode of Provider's Edge, we combine this year's most resonated episodes that demanded by our listeners like you. Combined expertise from our leaders, individual private practice to hospital executives and to innovators bring you together one powerful session that you won't want to miss. Welcome to Provider's Edge, the podcast that helps healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators break down barriers and control their business, life, and future with valuable action steps. With me, your host, Sabrina Rombach, a recovered clinician and a business deal catalyst. Let's rewrite the rules and create a positive social impact while increasing your profitability. First up, let's revisit our episode with Fabio Pereira, who owns a urgent care practice in Florida, where he shared the practical solution of operational efficiency, a true hit among business owners looking for the best solution to continue push forward. Have you been doing that you find helpful? Um, I, I think the most helpful part is uh, managing my time a little bit better, and you start getting, you start um, noticing that as you go. Uh, in the beginning, uh, I would, I'll be completely honest. I, um, I wor- I still worked my 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 job at another urgent care in another county, so I wouldn't compete with with with, um, with the urgent care that I had started, and I would do twelve-hour uh, shifts there. And I would take my bags with me. I had uh, four different bags at the time. One is like oxygen, the other one's medical, the other one's IV therapy, and the other one's like procedures. So like screening, you know, oxygen tanks, everything. Uh, so after finishing a 12-hour shift, uh, my wife would actually be picking up the phones at, at that time, and and I would go see patients that for for my business after finishing the 12-hour shift. So then it slowly became. I mean, I was doing about 84 hours a week, averaging. Uh, and it was just the beginning because I still had my other job. I was trying to get the company, st- you know, like going with traction, market traction. Um, and then you slowly start coming off of that because you, you, you need time for yourself uh, and your family and, and things like that. Um, so there, there's three three things that I um, that I got from Patrick B. David, which totally makes sense: is outwork, outperform, and outstrategize. When we're talking about the and I think in the beginning you do more of the out outworking and out uh, performing because you're not there yet to be out strategizing, right? So when you get more into that level, then then you start uh, realizing, okay, well, I need to manage my time a little bit better. I need time just to think and and, and just like run numbers on Excel sheets and just like for fun, you know, <laughs> just just trying to figure things out. Uh, try to strategize marketing campaigns and and, um, and services you want to tackle. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing that I that I that I've learned that I'm going through right now at this point is uh, like you mentioned before, um, what can I do? What do I not need to do so then I can 
see more patients because that's what's going to generate generate the revenue. Uh, so that's where um, I'm using you know my time a little bit better uh, these days. Perfect. And then now you're at a stage of really growing and potentially scaling, right?、Uh, and then I know you have a small team of three. Is that it? Yeah. So we I have the the、um, well, it's a team of three. We have、um, my wife, which is our, our CFO,、uh, myself, and then the medical director. The, those are our main our main people、uh, that are that are within the company. Now the we do have、um, uh, third parties like、um, uh, other、uh, people that do our Google Ads or some, someone else that does our SEO and website maintenance and so so there's different things that that, that we use outside of but those are the, that, that's the three of us. Right, right, yeah. Your core foundational people are the practitioners and then CFO who runs the practice versus other you contract out. Right, the the marketing side, so you don't have to be worried about what to say, how to say the daily posts, keep up a consistency, and then have the right searchability, especially、um, for a practice like yours is very location based,、um, instead of、uh, some other people who has telemedicine. Maybe they can spread it out a little bit more.、Um, I know in Florida, people are willing to. Um, go around a little bit. I know people like willing to drive a bit, but、um, uh, instance of、uh, your practice specifically, do you have set locations? So we have one location, and、um, but we're primarily a, a mobile urgent care. So we actually go to patient homes. That's how we started off, and and we do a lot of that still.、Uh, and then we have one location. Now,、um, be, the, the main things that we do is urgent care. Um, IV therapy, which is like vitamins, minerals, and we started that really because of COVID, because before we had monoclonals, because we wanted to support the immune system. So we said, okay, well, we already do IVs for dehydration, right? For nausea, vomiting,、uh, diarrhea.、Um, so why don't we just put vitamins in it? Okay, so we started doing that, and then monoclonals came into play. So then. Uh, so those are the main things we do: urgent care, IV therapy, monoclonals, and、um, recently I started、uh, really targeting,、uh, in terms of marketing,、uh, targeting telemedicine.、Um, I, I think it's a big market where it hasn't really fully be, been tapped. I feel that、um, it、uh, more usable, or people started using it more, feeling more comfortable with it. But I think that we're just at the beginning of that.、Um, Because we're, you know, we're growing as a, as a society, millennials. We can use technology a little bit easier. Things like that. People are busy. They're on the go.、Um, they just need, you know, to speak to someone and have their、uh, condition taken care of as soon as possible, and so they can keep going.、Um, and and that that brings up a, a, a point where you always have to not just be in touch with with the medicine side, but also keep a pulse on the market. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, it's gotten so political、uh, with COVID that you have to be on top of politics. You need to be on top of、uh, economics or you know the markets,、uh, not just、uh, how many cases of, of flu or COVID or、uh, you know monkeypox or any of those things. Next up, let's dive into healthcare IT with Paul Vieira, where he shared insightful notes on how all the savvy entrepreneurs truly. Can leverage technology to better improve your practice 
and engaging with your patients. So I went on to um, explore the idea further, and I was actually late with my paper. Um, the professor wasn't terribly thrilled about my delays, but I said, I'm going to come at this from a completely different angle. And I worked um, at the at the you know the local hospital and kind of saw how they did things. And they would set up the the surgical room specific for that surgery. So if it was cataract surgery or heart surgery or, or neurosurgery, the technology that was going into that room was a very specific setup. And there would be a minimal technology fee for the doctor doing the surgery. So ultimately creating a win-win. The patient got the best possible outcome. The doctor had the best technology and you you had this full-fledged hospital grade IT department within hospitals for doctors. So I came back and took that information and said, hey, we can provide a hospital grade IT department that really helps doctors at the private practice entrepreneurial level. And that was my paper back in 2003. And that turned into to serve CT because the idea had um, a lot of merit. It was really good for everybody. It was good for the patient. It was good for the doctors. The university loved it. They got behind it. And um, that's how the company started was in 2003 at the University of Connecticut. And today we've worked with over 12,000 practices, 12,000 entrepreneurial doctors, and we help them achieve their vision and their dream. So, so often, you know, people talk about how SURF got started, but with that type of experience, um, building 12,000 private practices and, and helping build these specific systems for the way that these doctors practice, not generically, but specifically for how you practice, we're able to, to empower doctors to, to realize their dreams. So it's been an exciting journey. Yeah, I'm sure it can be, and especially from an early stage when people might not have thought about the importance of IT infrastructure or they thought about it, they need it, but they don't quite get it. So it's great to have someone who has the vision and could create that strategy for the end users. So bring us back to if you think about it, a lot of us who are clinicians gone through years and years of training, but on the practice side of medicine, dental um, wellness, but it's not so much on business thinking, right? When they have to put on these different hats, they don't even know what they don't know. So when you approach someone, let's say, uh, who has a new established practice or even have been in there for a few years, but really don't have that foundation of IT infrastructure, how do you approach it? How do you make people aware, help them see what they're missing? Sure. So we start by asking questions and we start by first asking if you could have anything at all, if you could have anything as a doctor, forget what you've been told in the past, what would that be? What is your ultimate vision? And, you know, so often doctors will share, well, you know, I went through through dental school or I went through medical school and, you know, I ended up here. And, and so it's like, you know, like life kind of, you know, kind of forces you into a certain situation or you're you're reporting to a practice. You have this like cocoon like effect where you're going to the same practice day in and day out, almost like reporting to a box, you know, and you don't see everything that's possible. You don't have that global view of what's possible. So we always start with like, forget what you've been told. Like if you could have anything at all, what is your vision? 
And the answers that we get are so unique. And, and so many doctors feel like they have to work within their practice and that they go to work at their practice. And this is kind of how the place stays afloat. And, and we start to expand on that. And based on what their vision is, we're able then with our experience, 20 years, two decades, 12,000 practices, and not, not selling one piece of technology, but helping them implement the technology properly, we're able to put a system in place that will create automation that will help them achieve their vision and creates alignment in practice, real automation. So, so often when I speak with doctors, if they're not really understanding, uh, I'll give them a little analogy and I'll say, your practice is running like a local coffee shop. You show up every day, you, you, you know, you grind the beans, you, you put the beans in the machine and, and you work really hard to sell coffee for, you know, 99 cents or $1.99 and you tell people to come in. And, and when you're here, people come in because they know you. But we're able to put these systems in to your practice that will help you achieve your vision and your dreams and, and really make your practice run without you, um, which, you know, sometimes is alarming to them. But, you know, if you had more time, what would you do with it? And they don't understand it. And I say, look, if you're running a local coffee shop, we can help build you a Starbucks. And then suddenly like that trigger goes off, right? And, and it's really, really exciting when we start this journey with doctors, whether they're established and they've been practicing for 20, 30, 40 years, or we meet them in a university setting because the university invited us in to speak and they have these big dreams. It's exciting when we start this journey and we hit these goals because when you hit these life goals of more time with your family or, or more freedom or a business that runs itself and, and really, really happy patients because the experience is you know, designed at another level. It, it's exciting because the clients get really happy, the doctors are happy, the team is happy, the patients are happy. And sometimes, you know, we get a call and the doctor says, hey, what's next? What can we do next? So when you have automation and you can take yourself out of that daily grind, that that daily survival mode, um, and you can build a practice that starts to work for you, um, the possibilities are limitless. It's super exciting. Then we dive into the topic is most listened, a special topic on the new focus of mental health within the healthcare system with J.C. Somers. As a physician associate and uh, practice owner himself in psychiatry, we truly explore the strategies that you can use in your everyday life. Stay tuned. So there are multiple different components on our gut health that has, uh, we know serotonin uh, in there has a lot more, right, in than our brain. So for back in school days, right, or any stressful moment, I, I know all of us have that gut feeling, the crunch. Well, like that's same thing as uh, how our patients, especially when they are having more of uh, a mental uh, fitness concern to be able to address how we eat really affecting everything in our life, uh, not just the obesity pandemic that we're facing uh, or the coronary artery disease that they really should be addressing, but so many more things. And I love that you're adding different component of wellness and holistic care into mental health as well. So just wondering how many patients are you uh, seeing on a daily basis now? Um, I would say I typically see about 15, maybe. 
something like that. Um, it depends, uh, depending on you know how much I'm working that day. But I would say somewhere between 12 and 15 is about average. So, um, so yeah, and it's kind of a combination. Obviously, all my patients are, are mental health focused, but a lot of times we'll focus, you know, more on diet and other things like that. I mean, I don't think those things are independent. I mean, you know, the thing about a healthier diet is, you know, we we don't just live longer, but we we die less painfully too, right? I mean, the the point is we're not trying to live forever. What we're trying to do is to address issues of quality of life. Everybody wants those things, right? I mean, a long, long time ago, we recognized the the impact that tobacco had on our health, right? But 50, 60 years ago, that wasn't the case, right? I mean, you know, I mean, that tobacco was outed as the killer that it was, you know, a long time ago. But somehow we're still serving bacon at medical conferences, right? Um, because nobody thinks that that's healthy for us, right? And yet, we're still kind of saying, oh, well, yeah, but you know, every once in a while, right? But we don't think that about cigarettes anymore. We don't think like one or two cigarettes a day is okay, right? So, you know, we constantly have to be addressing these things and realizing that there's a real biological drive for these things, right? There's a real, you know, component of that that our body has been working on for tens of thousands of years, hundreds of thousands of years, you know, if you came across a donut 10,000 years ago, you better eat it, right? I mean, because you weren't going to come across that again. And you were walking 20 or 30 miles a day, right? So trying to understand how our bodies and our lives and the demands on us have changed, really, especially over the past 100 years, but especially over the past couple thousand years, right? And yet our brain hasn't changed very much at all, right? As far as how it works, how it's wired, how we respond to stress and danger and anxiety, all those things are wired in there. And unlike cigarettes, which we can completely stop and never need again, everybody has to eat, right? We all have to have that drive. And so then the question is, what do we eat, right? I mean, the CDC says that a third of all deaths in the United States are due to diet-related conditions, a third. Right? I mean, those are hundreds of millions of people, you know, um, you know, certainly worldwide that are dying every day from heart disease and diabetes and, you know, obesity related things, you know, right? All these things, not to mention all the cancers that are diet related. So if we can talk to people about these things, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to people and they say, well, I thought you were in psychiatry, you know, but to me, thinking that psychiatry is just about people who are depressed or anxious or schizophrenia or having bipolar disorder is missing the point. Right, psychiatry, just like family practice, just like every other field of medicine, is about addressing our patients' needs. Right, it's about quality of life. What are people? What do people care about? Right, identifying that, addressing that, moving those people forward on their journey—that is the point. Right, and it's great to be, you know, less anxious or less depressed. But if we end up dying at 65 of a heart attack or stroke, I don't know that I've done anybody any favors. Right. Um, not to mention that you suffer before that. So, you know, really addressing that. And we're starting to understand so much about that now. You mentioned gut bacteria, but, you know, that's just part of it. Right. I mean, inflammatory cytokines, how we're metabolizing certain medicines, right? The, the genetics and the epigenetics associated with, you know, our environment and our food and stress level and sleep level. Right. All these things play a huge, huge impact. So I talk to people a lot about that. And I, and I think it's it's really, really important. I mean, I think we're missing part of that in medicine. We're we're kind of staying in our own little lane. But I don't know what our lane is. Right. I mean, we're in healthcare. Right. And that's what we're supposed to be addressing. Right. It's about integration. At the end of the day, we can even apply those to our own life. Are yeah. we living 
for what purpose and what's that big mission that we're going after? And yes, there nowadays we talk about biohacking even. Now, uh, some of those uh, activities, uh, treatments, uh, whatnot are for people cash paid. So that means people ha- can actually need to be able to afford that. So are we doing that as providers for ourselves, uh, recommending for our patient? But what about all the underserved, underinsured, then they can't even get basic care because they keep running to the ER just for that one thing. And perhaps they did see you in the clinic, but they can be lost in follow-up for the past three years. You have no idea what's happening with them or you have no staff to be able to reach out to them to close that loop. So I know thinking about quality of life for us is very important to be able to sustain the practice so we can provide the care and serve our community. Lastly, we explore the innovative financial structure with Dr. Karamanji. His perspective on bringing cash model into businesses within healthcare has been groundbreaking, making it a top choice for the forward-thinking professionals. What was the moment that you feel like, hey, business side of building your own practice was something that you had a deep passion in? So I, you know, I got into the venture because um, there are very limited number of clinics that offer this, even in Florida. Um, so I wanted to create my own model and I felt that this was the best model of care that can be delivered to uh, the patients, uh, especially with what I offer, you know, like uh, the energy healing, the yoga, meditation and all of that. So that's the reason why I ventured into the business aspect. And uh, it, it's much harder than being in corporate and being in corporate, you go to your shift, you know, you check in, do your stuff, you go home. Uh, you do have some leadership stuff to do, but you know, like uh, the finance side of it, you know, you don't you don't deal with it. You don't deal with marketing. Uh, but there's still some sales. You know, even though you're in corporate, you know, we we still sell the surgery to the patient. You know, that's the sale. Although it doesn't look like a sale, we just tell them to do it. So um, I think I think it's a different world. The business world is. I, at times, I feel it's much harder than being in corporate. Right. And that's true. Also, we're never really taught in grad school about business side of medicine. It's always uh, research based decision making, finding out what's wrong and then what's the best next step and rule out uh, the zebras and the, all the other things that we're really worried about for our patient. Yeah. Um, but not so much uh, when we're leading a team, it's beyond just the clinical side of the leading the team. Now it's become, what are the other intricate of uh, things that we really have to consider so patient can continue to come back to the office. And if we wanted to be able to see more patient, create more impact, what is that next step? Whether it's uh, taking care of your existing patients better, engage with them more, versus uh, doing the marketing strategies for, uh, for connecting with the newer patient. So how do you find the balance in that? Yeah, it's, it's very hard, you know, like for example, um, like all of our patients in uh, in the integrative practice, you know, we reach out to them via text, via phone, via email. Um, it's much different than, you know, my patients in traditional medicine, you know, you never talk to them after they're gone from the clinic or the hospital setting. But here we communicate with them all the time. And if you don't hear from them, we go ahead and reach out to them. Because sometimes the patients forget that, you know, they have to do stuff or they have to come back and, you know, see the doctor and, and, you know, sometimes they forget about like what we discussed six months ago. 
So it's it's about constantly reaching out, constantly communicating. I think I think the biggest thing I learned in business is is all about communication. It's uh, you know, and and every day I continue to improve about that on that. And it's communicating with the staff, communicating with the patients, and how better to do that. Patients love text message for some reason, you know. Yeah, and especially、uh, I'm not sure what's the population you're dealing with. Is that seems to be elderly or like middle aged? Uh, mostly middle-aged. You know, we have, we have few elderly patients, but mostly middle-aged. You know, anywhere from 35 to the 50s and 60s. Exactly, and I think that's why、uh, the middle-aged group, right, the 30s to 50s, and they're still pretty active. And、uh, we grew up with the technology part, and we just、uh, got so much usually emails in the inbox. It gets overwhelmed, or the business emails usually go to the spam. So people tend to actually see then text messages, and oh, there's alert! I actually need to do something for my care. And so definitely、uh, one of the uh, uh, directions. Even from the Medicare Medicaid side, right, value-based medicine practices. I think our healthcare system start to shift in that direction. How do we take care of people as a whole? And the incentive, especially people with chronic diseases. I'm sure you deal with a lot of those people bouncing around trying to find different solution. How do you? Really get to the care, and then with、uh, the new incentive,、um, those messaging, these care coordination, used to not able to be built, and then people don't really know how to take care of the patient and bring them back.、Uh, huge thing on communication. What do you say? It's not as even important on how you say it, how you engage with them in the right moment of their lifespan, or even just the week, right? Like sometimes people just get caught up with stuff. Yeah. So it's, I think it has to do with it has to do with、uh, instant gratification because you know they don't want to send an email or a message and wait for the doctor to respond for one to two days or one week.、Uh, they want the response within like minutes to hours. I think that's where that's where we're all going,、um, and、uh, they want a constant conversation even after they're done with the visit. And that's where you know you, you probably had speakers about concierge medicine. You know we're going into concierge medicine as well. There are some clients, you know, they they really are so busy they don't want to come to the office, but they want their medications to be refilled.、Um, they, they they want the stuff done on a regular basis without being seen, and they are willing to pay for their service. 2023 was a landmark year for healthcare entrepreneur, marked by innovation, challenges, and growth. We reflect on the wisdom in. Barked by industry leaders, share lights on how their strategies can revolution your healthcare venture. Fabio enlightened us on operational efficiency in healthcare professional businesses. Paul in highlight the revolutionary role of IT. JC Somer shared vital self-care practices for healthcare entrepreneurs, and Dr. Karamanchi. Explore the benefit of cash pay model for practice owners. Each episode offers unique insight, empowering healthcare entrepreneurs to thrive in this challenging era. Stay tuned next week as we feature the most listened episode on growing your business through marketing strategies, culture building, and optimizing leadership. As we wrap up in this reflection on 2023's most enlightened moments, please share your expertise on LinkedIn and tag 
me, Sabrina Rombach, to join the conversation. We would love to hear what are your insights and takeaway from these episodes and how they can shape your approach in the coming year of 2024. Thank you for toning into Providers Edge podcast. We hope you enjoy our latest episode and found the insights and tips helpful. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show and learn what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. So please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and let us know what you think. Your feedback is essential to help us improve the show and provide you with the content you need to take your healthcare business to the next level. Thank you for your support and we look forward to hearing from you soon.